Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I'm Ben Billups, and this week we're back with another student interview, but this one's a little bit different. Up to this point, we've been interviewing almost exclusively alumni. Ethan Nunn is with us today, and he's actually one of our brand new students in the Ascend program. He just enrolled a few months ago, actually. Um, met him at base camp and came home and thought, we got to get this guy on the podcast. So really glad Ethan could join us today. And before we hop into it, I just want to remind you guys that Navigate Enrollment is currently open. You can sign up for our free four-part video series if you go to beunbound.us slash navigate. Um, it's a great series. Even if you just watch those four videos, you decide not to enroll, you're definitely going to get something out of it. Jonathan has a lot of great things to say. He includes a lot of things that are in the course. Um, but if you want to go deeper after you watch those videos, then the course is available right now. And especially for Unbound students, it's actually 50% off retail price. So you can go to beunbound.us slash navigate to learn more about that. I won't make you guys sit through the entire ad like I did last week. But I'll just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, so Ethan, really excited to have you on. Uh, glad you could make it. Yeah, and thanks for having me. Yeah. And so I think just to give everybody a little bit of context, um, you know, uh, you're, you're a homeschooler, you're from Florida, you're an unbound, you've already met a bunch of different students at base camp and, yep. uh, and online, but just give us a little bit of context for like how you found unbound and what your experience has been like so far. Yeah, sure. So I've been in the homeschool movement um, practically my entire life. And my parents um, in my local area were leaders in the homeschool movement. And then my mom um, about 10 years ago got involved on the state level, so through different state um, conventions and such, and uh, she's met Jonathan Brush a few times and had conversations with him over the internet, and so when she heard about the program, they thought it was a perfect fit for me, and I looked into it, and I, that's how I came to be part of Unbound. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I guess, how is your, like, and then at base camp and in the community, like, what has your experience been like so far? Like, are you enjoying it? Oh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Like the great thing about Unbound so far is that it like I didn't have to necessarily like shape my life to it, but like it really already fit really well into my life because a lot of Unbounders are very similar, you know, doing different crazy things all the time. So being, it being able to fit my schedule was really great. And then also a lot of the learning was stuff that, you know, I was used to a lot of the material stuff that I really enjoyed because it was right up my alley. Yeah. Absolutely. And then for those of you who are wondering, uh, actually, last week, we just published a lecture from Jonathan that he gave at Basecamp. We've been getting a ton of positive feedback. So if you haven't heard it, I highly recommend that you guys go back one episode and listen to that. Um, it's all about how to steward relationships well. Um, and so I guess I'm curious, too. And this is like genuine curiosity because we only got to talk a little bit at Basecamp. Yeah. Um, so I don't even know. But like, what was life like before Unbound? So you're homeschooled, you know, like you mentioned. But like, what did life look like for you? Yeah, so life before um, Unbound, I was really, um, really involved in politics around here, especially right before I was part of Unbound because I was really um, hyping up for all the election. I um, really active in my church, really active in theater in my local homeschool group. The arts and creative stuff is kind of where my niche is, and so that's where I do a lot of my work. And I teach. That's one of my other great passions. And uh, read, learning a lot. So I've kind of always enjoyed my academics. Right on. So what kind of creative stuff? Yeah, so music, um, writing, uh, speeches, and cre just different creative stuff. I do a lot of writing, storytelling, that sort of stuff. So anything to do with storytelling, pretty much, I like to do that. Got it. Got it. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I and we'll get into this later, but Ethan actually runs his own nonprofit, and I and your title is Chief Creative Officer, right? Yeah, so it is. You're already made it to the C-suite in the creative department, so you know exactly. that's a plus. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome, and yeah. So I noticed you mentioned music, writing, acting. I guess if you were in your mind, like say in five years, I guess what do you think you'll be focusing on creatively, or where do you think you'll be? Yeah, focusing on creatively, definitely um, writing stories, uh, books in that sense, but also scripts for hopefully some shows, some radio drama type things, uh, plays. I'm really into theater, like I said, so writing plays and producing those would be definitely a big thing for me. And then working with music, not necessarily even playing or singing it, but maybe working with lyrics and then trying to work with artists to do things like that. That's where I would hopefully see myself come, you know, five years. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of writing. Yeah. 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 Well, I know we've got a lot of writers in the community. So yeah. Uh, anybody who's listening to this, you should hit up Ethan if you want to collaborate on something. That would be fun. Absolutely. I would enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's like, I think about music the same way. Like I, I studied a couple different instruments, um, as a, like growing up and then in high school right. and that kind of thing. But it, for me, it was never like, I want to be a musician. And then mm -hmm. even now, like I've kind of poke around with like Ableton or like I'll play with sampling or just like, right. or, or like watch a video about a random theory piece. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But for me, like it, it really fuels my filmmaking and like every like film I've made that I'm proud of was like really music driven, was driven by the music. And so right. I think, you know, it's not necessarily like there's obviously a there's just a lot of different ways to apply that understanding. But I guess I'm kind of in a similar boat where it's like I love music and I like playing it and I like learning about it. But I'm not exactly in the camp of like I want to be a musician. It's more about how can I apply this to other things creatively. Yeah. And I would have to say some of my favorite films have like amazing scores, you know, especially I mean, very famous scores like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or something. But even smaller films, just really good music and great filmmaking go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, what are some of those smaller movies? Maybe I haven't even heard of them. Oh, yeah. So, like, I like a lot of old, older music. So, a lot of older movies. So, uh, The Man Who Knew Too Much with Jimmy Stewart. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Again, another Jimmy Stewart movie. And then pretty much anything with Doris Day. I mean, she would do, do a lot of the covers for her own movies, but her lyrics and her music was just really great. And she had a phenomenal voice. Yeah. You can't beat the oldies, man. No, you can't. Um, it's funny because I'll have to go back and watch it because I remember I remember a long time ago watching The Man Who Knew Too Much, but I don't remember the music at all. Like, and I wasn't really into filmmaking at the time. Yeah, it was really I'll suspense thriller type. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so then I guess too, you mentioned obviously you mentioned Mr. Smith goes to Washington, um, but you've also worked in politics yourself. So yeah. I'd just be curious to hear a little bit more about that too. Absolutely, yeah. So I got. There's a joke that I got my start in politics when I was a baby because um, our governor at the time, Jeb Bush, held me. And so that was like, you know, my first introduction to politics. But um, I really went on to the wait, political how, Wait, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So my mom um, helped with the campaign. My mom was really um, involved in politics as well. And so we're at an event one night and he's there. And so I had a picture of me being held by Jeb Bush. That's so amazing. That, yeah, it, it's pretty funny looking back on it now, you know, thought it was pretty great being held by the governor. So that was, I guess, technically my start in politics. Um, but when I got older, um, I got really passionate about different movements. So the pro-life movement, really passionate about, you know, uh, Second Amendment rights, that sort of stuff. 
And so I joined um, a couple of different organizations, uh, youth and government around my community and such. And then I got really involved in a presidential campaign, um, Ted Cruz's campaign in 2016. And mm-hmm. I did that, uh, did, made phone calls, all sorts of stuff. Then in 2018, during the midterms, I got really involved with one of my congressmen who ran for office right here. And so I was working on his campaign locally, got really involved in the state Senate and the state house. Um, like I said, my mom was part is part of um, the state organization for homeschooling. So lobbying and lobbyists, lobbying for homeschooling rights has always been a big part of my upbringing, understanding those laws, understanding how they affect homeschoolers. And then this past election season, I worked on uh, two different campaigns. I worked on a U.S. House seat and a Florida House seat campaign. And then in between, I've done things with uh, Generation Joshua and then Patriot Academy with Rick Green. Yeah. I'm really involved with both those programs. There's a, I think that rings a bell for probably a lot of students. I, I remember being on Gen J forums when I was like 14. That was like a yeah. zillion years ago. And it was like, you'd be like sitting there debating about some theological topic with like some guy you've never met. It's pretty exactly. great. Oh yeah. That's uh, how they all are. Yeah. Um, and so I guess like what types of roles are you typically, mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds like it runs in the family and everything. So, but yeah. like when you're working on these campaigns, what are you usually doing? Usually, yeah, so usually um, I'll be either um, – I do phone calls, I do the walks, I do text messages, I do that. But then also because of my connections to the homeschool world, I was also in charge of you know seeing if they could get any youth involved in campaigns. So they would call me you know a volunteer coordinator sometimes, homeschool volunteer coordinator. Um, that was with the U.S. house seat I was running with. That and then I was also um, a similar position over in the state seat, just on a smaller level. I, I'm not sure how the people understand the extent to which like homeschoolers are involved in politics. Right. And, like, there's obviously there's the there's the parental rights issues, which is the main thing most of the time. That's the, that's usually what's happening. Mm-hmm. But even beyond that, like in I would say, I mean, a, a kind of crazy proportion of my friends from high school are involved in politics one way or another, or like staffers at the Capitol in Texas, et cetera. It happens a lot. But even beyond that, like I was, I was never super involved in like the direct activism. I worked in some areas that were kind of peripheral, like Mm -hmm. in policy or in media. But then at one point I was working for a former state Senator and and she didn't homeschool her kids and she wasn't homeschooled. Right. It was like, there was this like she knew that homeschoolers were awesome. And so she was always trying to hire homeschoolers. And so just like the team that I was on, it was like, I think everybody except for one guy was like a Christian homeschooler person. And so it was actually made for, it made for a great team, but it was just this thing where I was like, how, like what an impression homeschoolers must've made in politics that, you know, the hiring practices of somebody who's, you know, obviously cares about parental rights and believes in homeschooling, but just it's like, these people are amazing employees. I'm just going to hire them. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. One of the things that uh, my first three years of high school, I served in the state house and state Senate as a page and a messenger. And one of the things I really enjoyed about those was, you know, I'd be there and everything. And I knew my... I knew my senator and I knew my uh, representative and I would go to their meetings. You know, my representative goes to my church and then my senator comes to my church as well. So I would go and talk to them and everything. The interesting thing is, you know, once you talk to them and you know, they realize, you know, what you're talking about, you know, they know what you're talking about when it comes to your parental rights and everything, because that affects you. They'll start asking you your opinion on other things. You know, they'll ask you, do you want to read any bills on any, any subject? They'll say, just tell, you know, my aide, whatever bills you want to read. 
and they'll let, they'll let you read it and then they'll ask your opinion on it. So that's one of the things I enjoyed about politics is that if you knew what you were talking about and you could, you know, be respectful and have a great uh, conversation with an adult, they'll listen to what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing how much that opens doors. Oh, yeah. And even just in any, and I think it's because homeschoolers, you know, they're educated differently. Most people listening to this podcast are probably homeschooled. Um, yeah. I would say at least the majority. And so it's like, you guys know what I'm talking about, but at the same time, it's like, I think there's like a level of critical thinking that, mm-hmm. that homeschoolers is like you find with most homeschoolers that if you throw a piece of legislation at them, even if it's not necessarily about something they know about, they're thinking about it kind of in a different way or at a different level. And so I oh, think yeah. that does not surprise me at all, but I, uh, I've had a similar experience and, and mostly been surprised with just how much more it impacted things than I had thought, you know, it's right. just like, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I've got this one friend who's like doing this random campaign thing. And the next thing I know, I have like 10 friends and they're all like entrenched. Right. And so, right. you know, there's, there's yeah. downsides and, and, and upsides, but it's just very interesting. Just, I think in politics, it, as you know, super well, I'm sure yeah. it's just like a very fast moving business. And I think people who can yeah. perform and who are quick and who can adapt, like those are the people who succeed. Absolutely. Um, so that's awesome. And so, like I mentioned before, you also run your own nonprofit. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the organization is called Project 6-8. And what we do is our job is to equip the next generation of leaders. And the me and my staff, our belief is because the three of us are all from creative backgrounds, that like being a leader isn't just necessarily in politics. I spent a lot of time there. I know yeah. that is where a lot of leaders are, but that's not the only place we need leaders. The way that we think we should have leaders is wherever you are and whatever you're gifted in, that's where and how you should be a leader. So the, specifically the four areas that we really grapple with and we really tackle are the arts, academia, the ministry, and than advocacy politics, but just not politics in the sense of, you know, state house and stuff, but movements and ideas and beliefs that they really want to influence people with, you know, the pro-life movement, gun rights, sex trafficking, all that sort of stuff. Those are advocacy routes that you need strong leaders in and you need strong leaders in the arts as well. You know, theater, you can be a leader in theater for your Christian beliefs but it takes a lot of work, but we need a lot of leaders there. And it's a place that we saw a lot of lack of leadership. So that's what our mission was. And to just realize what God's gifted you to do. And then to be a leader in that, because everyone's called to be a leader. And that's one of the things I love about Unbound is that they continue to make leaders and they want you to pursue your passion because that passion is what God's created you to do. So I think that's really important for the way you live your life. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And so is, um, I, I assume 6-8 is a verse reference, right? Yeah, so it's two verse references. We actually thought we had two different verses, and they both had the, um, you know, the idea of 6-8. So one was Isaiah 6-8. You know, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. So that one definitely, you know, the idea of God's calling you to do something, and he needs to send you out to do it. And then also uh, Micah 6-8, which is... Um, I've already told you what is good, you know, seek justice, love mercy, walk in humility with your God. Uh, 
I think that those three things, if we live our lives by those three things, that we can really change the world, you know, seeking justice. I think we need to see justice more than any other time in our nation's history right now. Loving mercy. We need to understand what mercy is. And then walking in humility. I think that, you know, pride goes before the fall. So we definitely need to have a lot of humility in this country. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think it's funny, too, because you're you're talking about you're like, yeah, politics is cool. But and that I I resonate with that a lot. And, I, yeah. and maybe it just comes like maybe you get too involved and then you get jaded about politics. I'm definitely that position where I'm like, yeah, yeah like there's only so much you can do um, in some of those environments. But and the way that I like I look at it a lot like a like a pyramid, right? Like it's yeah. it, it kind of the way I view it, the bottom, like the base in terms of you're talking about like cultural forces essentially yeah. is like there's education, right? Like how people Absolutely. it's like from cradle to you know being to adulthood, it's like that has an enormous impact on the way you view the world, right? And homeschoolers know that's, that. That's why they're homeschooled, right? Exactly. And so there's education and then there's entertainment, which it sounds like that's really what you're kind of taking a, 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 yeah. a, a, a working on. And it's like, I think entertainment plays a crucial role in reinforcing our education. The sense that it's like, mm. is the, is what I'm watching agreeing or disagreeing with mm. what I am predisposed to believe, um, which is obviously influenced by a lot of things. And, and there, it definitely becomes cyclical, but I think education is probably the main component of that. It's like, yeah. so I'm predisposed, for example, if I go to public school, I'm predisposed to believe in the theory of evolution. And so when I watch a random um, documentary on YouTube and some guy is saying the same thing, I'm like, yeah, exactly. Right. Or is it contradicting that? And now I'm a little bit uncomfortable and that kind of thing. And so I think there's that. And then at the kind of the 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 result, or at least the the third of all is politics, because a lot of politics is just driven by society. John Stone Street says that politics is uh, downstream, downstream of culture. Yeah, down, absolutely downstream of culture. One of the things that we were trying to find out is if politics is downstream of culture, then what's culture downstream of? Right. Because there, there mm -hmm. has to be something that, you know, that's coming from. And one of the places that we definitely saw that was the arts, you know, because the arts is theater, music, movies. And that, I mean, why is music so important is because you have people who have Alzheimer's and, you know, the moment they hear a song come on, they can remember it or they can remember. I was watching a video the other day of a ballerina who she couldn't remember anything, but she heard, I think it was Swan Lake come on and she had forgotten everything. But the moment Swan Lake came on, she was able to do the exact dance, you know, so those things are important and um, taking what's downstream of culture and then finding what's upstream of culture is really important. And politics is definitely downstream from of culture. You know, a lot, if you look, study, you know, things like Friends, The Office, all those things, big watershed moments happened after those shows came out because whatever they were propagating. So I think that those are important things to think about is entertainment and definitely education. Yeah. No, that's great points. And so I yeah. guess in your mind, when you're thinking about, and I know you guys are pretty early, so, but yeah, I'm just kind of curious to hear from like in your thinking, like what are some of the major cultural influences in entertainment? And I guess, what do you think needs to be addressed? Like, are you thinking about, are you thinking like we need to make serial like narrative content, like shows? Are you yeah. thinking about films? Is it like, I mean, to some extent, all of the above, but like, if you had to pick like something yeah. to focus on, what would you pick? Absolutely. So one of the things that we're working on right now is we're trying to work on a podcast that would be like an old radio drama. 
So, you know, you have the old radio dramas, whatever they may be, mysteries, uh, soap operas on the radio. Well, that platform, that technique was really good. It was just it went out of the style for a while because you have radio. But now that you have podcasts, podcasts is a great way to, like, pick that back up. Like, almost an audiobook, you know, type format. Um, that would be our main thing because, you know, we might not have all the technology to get special effects or something. But a lot of the technology for sound is a lot easier to get. It's really easy sometimes to make some of those sounds. And if it's just all voice actors, you need a smaller number sometimes just of those. So I'd say that would be right now our first goal and probably the most achievable one. But eventually, definitely TV shows and uh, hopefully one day maybe movies. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I think... And it's very similar where like you can obviously audio production can get insanely complicated oh, and yeah. it can get expensive, especially if you're talking about like radio studios and all that stuff. But if you're just saying like, I want to make something that is like 80, 85%, 90% as close as something that a studio would make. It's like, well, if I have a microphone and I have a sound pack and an editor, you know, <laughs> exactly. you can get pretty close. So it's like, I don't need, uh, you know, 18 people and, uh, oh no, we don't have a second assistant director and all this crazy stuff. Right. And exactly. so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then I guess I, I this is kind of a, I'm sure is it's a topic that a lot of Christian creatives talk about, which yeah. I'm sure you have some thoughts about, which is basically like this whole idea of like, does Christian art, like, should it exist as like a distinct category in the sense that like, because I think a lot of people feel like when you say, oh, this is a movie, but it's Christian, that gives it license to actually be worse because people are right. like, well, I'm watching it because it's a Christian movie. And so then there's actually, they're not really competing in the same market. Hmm. So the the storytelling is actually worse, which means that it's probably not as accomplishing as much as it could in the culture, right? Because it's not a exactly. compelling, somebody who's not a Christian wouldn't be watching this, right? So I guess <laughs> like, I'm just curious to hear some thoughts from you about just all that. Yeah, it's something I think a lot about and talk a lot about and read a lot about because it's important, you know, and I think one of the things that I really enjoy because both, I mean, my two favorite authors would be C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, right? I, both, I mean, C.S. Lewis is very distinctly Christian. Everyone knows him, right? Near Christianity, the Chronicles of Narnia. The Chronicles of Narnia, though, really the only really distinctly Christian book is really the line, the witch in the wardrobe out of those books. I mean, you, if you're a Christian and you know your like theology and everything, you can definitely see some themes in the other books and maybe some story similarities, but they aren't necessarily just like yelling in your face there, but they ring true because you say that's how the real world is. Even though it's like fawns and dryads and all that sort of stuff, it rings true because you're like, there's a sense of tragedy. There's a sense of this struggle between good and evil. There's a sense of good will win in the end, right? And I think that's one of the things that you find also, like J.R.R. Tolkien, very much, again, very Christian in a lot of the ways, if you know, you know, Christian beliefs. But if you're just another person coming in, it rings true because, again, it's like the real world, even though it's dwarfs and elves and orcs and stuff. So I think Christian art should be art that's really, it's, true to real life, right? Like it's not all rainbows and, you know, unicorns and everything. That's some of the stuff, you know, especially with young adult fiction in the Christian community, I would say, is it really wants like everyone, all the good guys to be alive by the end, but sometimes all the good guys aren't alive by the end. You know, sometimes there is a sense of tragedy. And I think that that's one of the things that 
good Christian artists in their music and in their writing and in films really can get around. That's why, I mean, even though sometimes some there's debate on whether the Kendrick brother films are any good. I think some of them are because they do, they like they, some of them do definitely get the sense of like, this is real life. This can really happen. And, you know, I think a lot of Chris, great Christian actors are in some of those films. And I wish that they would also tell other stories that maybe not be positioned in the real world. Right but still get those same real world values in them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, there's, um, it's actually one of the books, I, I, as far as I know, it's still required reading in one of the signature leadership courses. I think it's the second one. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if that's, if you're in that course right now, if you're about to be. Yeah, I'm but, in the second one now. Okay, right on. So you're reading, you're probably in the middle of reading Dedication and Leadership, right? Or you're close Correct. to it? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So that book's fascinating because it talks about, right, the spirit of communism and all of that. Absolutely. But one of the illustrations at the end always stuck with me and it kind of, mm-hmm. it reminded me, you're, what you were just saying reminded me of that, which is, um, it talks about, there was like a film that they would show, they would like, you know, because at the time you'd go, you'd go to a small town and you'd say, hey, like, hey, we, we brought a movie. Everybody would want to watch the movie because it's like, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of theaters or anything. Right. And so they'd all watch the movie and it would just be like a movie about nature. And it would just be like, oh, this animal killed this animal and, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then what would happen is the next day they would send in this communist um, activist, I guess, for whatever you'd call them. And right. he would basically be talking to them and be like, oh, yeah, you saw that movie last night? Yeah, did you do? And then he he would basically connect, like, what they were seeing in the film, like, oh, yeah, so when this happened, that's kind of like how, you know, the 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 landowners exploit the the proletariats and this right. kind of... He would draw all these comparisons and then people, like, basically what he said in the book is that that was, as I recall, what he said in the book is that, is, that was the most... Um, impactful piece of propaganda he'd ever seen yeah. or encountered. And so I just, it, it's kind of interesting because as a, as a believer, if you're making a piece of creative content, you have this incredible urge to like, just like jam the gospel in there basically. Exactly. Right? And be like, all right, all right, let's do the five fingers. Let's do that, whatever it is. Right. And you're like, right. how do I get this into this uh, song about, you know, my friend Larry? And you're like, it's not going to work, man. Like it's going to ruin the song. Right. And so, and, but then you feel like almost feel guilt, right. As a Christian, cause you're like, well, I'm not telling the gospel with my music. So am I really doing it for God? Like all this crazy, you know, all these different yeah. things that you could be thinking as a creative and as a Christian. Right. Yeah. But I think it's just really important to remember that it's like, you know, it's kind of that that same balance between, you know, are you walking down the street proselytizing every day or are you living a godly life? Right. And looking for those opportunities yeah. and praying for opportunities to share the gospel, but also just being like an honest person with integrity, you know, that to the point where a state senator would trust your opinion of a piece of legislation. Right. Did you yeah. did you get there by, you know, not banging down their door with a Bible? No. But yeah. you are you are an intelligent person with integrity that they trusted. Right. And so now you're in that position. So I think about creative work in the same way. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And one book I would highly recommend is called um, Adorning the Dark. And it's by Andrew Peterson, Uh, you know, singer, songwriter, author. And he says, you know, good art is the combination of beauty and truth. And, you know, that's why he says, you know, you can have art that's beautiful, like uh, imagine. Right. It's a very but it's a very hopeless song. It's very tragic. It's very sad. um, That song. And. But when you have a different song, you know, that has truth, sometimes the truth can be just like, you know, there's like little Christian kid songs that like we all listen to, you know, like whatever the tw- 90s beats or whatever it was. But when you have those com- that combination, like the Sistine Chapel or 
when you see look at like some of the cathedrals across the world and especially in Europe, you look at those cathedrals and they're they're beautiful and they have wherever the stained glass images are. You know, they're not yelling, you know, they're not yelling about, you know, the gospel, but the gospel is right there in front of you because whatever how the artist's intentions. So I think that art and art is the mixture of beauty and truth. And I think that Andrew Pearson was very wise in saying that. And I think it rings very true. Yeah. So I actually, that's, that, I think this is a great play kind of way to conclude this part of the conversation, yeah. at least and say like, uh, so you just recommended that book, but let, you know, for any other, anyone else who's listening to this, who's a Christian, who's creative or who's yeah. interested in becoming a creative, like what, resources would you recommend and what are you this could even be like a movie or it could be books like that oh yeah well sure thing so that so that book adorning the dark by andrew peterson i would highly recommend it's not just about creative creativity although that's like the main purpose but also about like the sense of community and kind of a apologetics for the creative um another um the other two books which i just finished was a heretics and orthodoxy by gk chesterton and those are really good again really important talks about the importance of story and um, storytelling for the Christian. Uh, and I, so I would definitely say that those um, those three books right there, Heretics and Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, and then Adorning the Dark by Andrew Peterson, would definitely be the three people. If you're thinking that you're wanting to be a creative in the Christian community, I think those three you should definitely read. Awesome. And then if people want to find out more about Project 68, uh, where should they go? Yeah, so absolutely. The the best way to find out more about us is to follow us on Instagram at project and then it's 68 because Instagram doesn't allow, you know, colons. the colons yeah, or the semicolons, yeah, yeah. but it's project 68 underscore guild. And then you can follow me at inkling1776 on Instagram as well. And we're about to launch the website very soon. And we're about to launch our own podcast. Well, there you go. So yeah. I will uh, we'll link to that stuff in the description as well. We'll link to the books. We'll yeah. link to where you can find out more about Project 6-8. And um, Ethan, I really appreciate your time coming on. This was a really fun conversation. Absolutely. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, once again, guys, if you are interested in Navigate, enrollment is open until March 14th. So uh, if you're interested in that free video series, you can go to beunbound.us slash navigate to learn more about that. And we will catch you guys next week. 